Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Today we have Brandon Thomas, the one and only, back again, one of the most inspiring and radiant human beings I have had the pleasure to meet. Brandon, thanks for coming back on, bro. Brother, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All those things apply to you as well. So I'm just a mirror to you, you see. But thank you so much. I'm open to receive those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, let me ask you some some serious questions before we get into the more fun stuff. Sure. Uh, why have I never seen a baby pigeon? <laughs> I like the, yes, the hard hitting stuff right up top here. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get into that because um, one idea would be that um, because birds in general and specifically pigeons, uh, this urban dwelling uh, rat with wings, as it's uh, affectionately <laughs> recalled, uh, could be one idea is just government spy drones and that birds aren't real. <laughs> and I love this. Have you seen these uh, people that do this? Do I love it. it. It's one of my um, they have a whole van that they drive around. If you'd allow me to share screen, I can actually make this more fun for your we, visual. We don't have audience. screen sharing. Oh, shit. OK, yeah. well, you got to take my word for it that there are some amazing uh pictures and videos out there and diagrams working the inner workings of birds that also and by the way it's funny you mentioned this um on a expansive insider um conversation recently we have a series over there called frequency theorists we do it with a bunch of musicians it's a lot of fun and on there of course hard-hitting stuff straight out the gate we talk about this very thing are birds real and whatever and we have a lot of fun with it which of course led us to articles where they've actually absolutely taken carcasses of birds and animated them into flying things that can fly around and then as well this is like a technology of people doing this in their backyard i've seen people make like uh drones out of their cats you know what i mean they'll take a taxidermied cat and make a drone out of it not saying i condone it but it's something i have i am aware of this integration of uh technology and i guess biology but also you can scale that down because as we on the episode started diving into it they're down to microscopic organisms, of course, or mimicking microscopic organisms, uh, as well as, you know, uh, things down to mosquitoes with numbers on them and stuff like that. Like all that's absolutely legit. So this thought of like that, oh, no, they're listening to me on my phone, maybe. But what about the swarm of mosquitoes that are government spy drones or, or flock of birds out your window that really can see into your bedroom? It's all thermal sensing, you know, and then they can hear everything. And so yeah. that's perhaps one reason why you have not seen a baby pigeon, which I have yeah. not either, by the way. Yeah, it's like I I went on uh, DuckDuckGo and I, I typed in baby pigeon, bro. And the some of these pictures that you see are absolute fucking Frankensteinian abominations. Uh, there's no way in hell those are real birds. <laughs> Okay. You know, but to be fair, uh, we have a ranch. Uh, we've hatched a lot of animals out here. And yeah. when they're young, yeah, they're, they're nasty. they don't look like what they're going to look like. Um, yeah. They're nasty, proper. Like these, these pictures, if those are real. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Those That's are nasty. Baby look. Pigeon. look at that thing. You know, but they look more like um, seagulls in the beak. Yeah. Because they're, it's odd that they kind of, I guess they sort of, I mean, of course the feathers fill in and all that and that down gets dropped off, but yeah. I don't know, man, I'm going to call CGI on this one. I'm looking at uh, for sure. That's fake. This yeah. is fake. See, birds are fake, man. This is all Bro, just uh, birds government are fake for sure. Stuff, like, for sure. Yeah. Like, and I feel, I feel so psyop because as a kid back <laughs> yeah. when I was, uh, we were living in South Africa, I loved ornithology and I, I would beg my parents to like buy me these massive books on birds and I had this massive pair of binoculars that I could barely hold up. So, because we have like tons of different birds, uh, excuse me, 
government spy drones coming to our garden, guinea fowl and various kind of things. And it was, but I could barely hold these binoculars up, you know. But I love that shit, bro. I love it. It's adorable to picture you with these oversized, huge, heavy binoculars, which for a normal human being would just be whatever. But you're such a wee little Christian running around. I picture you in like Lederhosen, probably, or something like that for some reason. And uh, little butterflies flying around and everything like that. But yeah, ornithology is Latin for the study of government spy drones. I don't know if you knew that. I, I believe, I mean, it's just simple. You can see the root orny, government spy, thology, yeah. drones. Right. And of course, that's, government is Latin for mind control, governmente, which exactly. is actually absolutely true. So that's which fascinating. I, I believe the, the listeners should know all this already. So. Yeah, we're just having fun. Yeah. But yeah, there's a van that drives around. Birds aren't real. This guy's been on the news, uh, everything. So I'm, I'm all about it. I support his mission of at least... Uh, asking questions. I'm a big fan of that. So I say yeah. more power to you, buddy. Go for it. Question He's everything. got us talking about it. And it's great. Totally. So big congrats on your 200th episode. Which you Thank published you. a couple of weeks ago with uh, Dave Zed, Human Vibration, Crow 777, Dr. Dan Winter, and Elizabeth Donovan. That was, I listened to that yesterday. And to be honest, I have no idea what the fuck y'all were talking about. <laughs> I, I, I believe the gist of it was that something about... Um, Charge collapse is the source of gravity and consciousness and the implosion of megantropic forces in the longitudinal arrays discombobulates the etheric skibbity bops and whatnot. Something like that, Nailed right? It. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like you you, semi, you should write our blog, man. That's perfect synopsis <laughs> for the episode. That's outstanding. Yeah, well, what what exactly were you talking about? I, I this uh uh Dr. Dan Winter like and Dave Zed, these guys are just like on a whole other level, man. Like, what were you talking about? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yes, they are on a whole nother level. And that episode is titled What is Real? And of course, we had human vibration. I mean, all of these folks independently are juggernauts of insight on their own, of just the orders of magnitude beyond, right? And But this is my superpower. I'm a magnet for incredible people. So whenever you combine human vibration, who again, I mean, on her own, Amazing. Uh, Crow triple seven, same thing. Amazing. And somebody wrote in and said, actually, Crow didn't really do panels. So I don't even know how the hell you got him on that thing. But yeah, he had a great time and everything was awesome. Um, And then um, Dave Zed, of course, runs Generation Zed podcast. Amazing. That guy spent about nine days at our home. And he was he was supposed to spend four, had such a good time. We extended it, you know, and he was like, hey, you know, I'm like, fuck, yeah. But the whole time this dude's here, he's on his belly in my living room, you know, uh, with his computer looking up and researching papers with math, absolute math, with this thick ass notebook where he's just taking notes like crazy on these math papers. And it was fascinating because every time he wasn't in an obligation or a commitment, which was about five or six a day, and him and I did a lot of uh, shows together during that time period. We had him on with Elsa Dillon. Mm -hmm. We also Mm -hmm. talked with Sean Cahill. He was um, a 20-year veteran of the military. He's a Navy guy. He was on the USS Nimitz whenever that, um, you know, triangle or that Tic Tac thing happened. And just an awesome dude. Like beyond that location of where he is for the site is uh, accreditation or whatever, an awesome fucking conversation. So we had all these great talks with Dave in town. And even that, like to niche down into Dave a little more while he was here, we would sit there in the evenings and, you know, uh, connect with Mary Jane. And like, after it was all said and done, I mean, it's like, you know, late at night, we've, we've been up for 15, 16 hours crushing at this in our own little ways, but also together. And then, uh, we would sit there with a huge notepad, like a big piece of paper, uh, thing with a, with a set of colored pens and, just draw reality, man. And this these conversations just got so damn deep, dude. And then da- uh, Dr. Dan Winter, of course, absolutely fascinating. His work is insane. He's actually living in France. Um, 
I think, wow. or somewhere over in that way, because he's not allowed in the States. There's something wild, Why? like there's some issue with his work and being mm. in the States. So he needed to go to France to remain, wow. I believe, able to do his work is what it sounds Whoa. like. Something wow. like that. Yeah, that, like a legit, strange. amazing, deep in, amazing stuff. His uh, fractalfield.com, his um, website's amazing. It's one of those old HTML things. It's a little bit confusing, but it needs to be that way for it to be untrackable and stuff. So it's fascinating just the lives these people lead and the information, the way that they give it to you. Incredible. Yeah, and Elizabeth that's... Donovan, same thing. Fascinating. Uh, one of the most brilliant electrical engineers ever. And so you put all those people together and you start saying what is real and you get some really interesting answers. Yeah, I have the the fractal field website opener uh, from earlier today, and like some of these um, graphics and and illustrations, like I'm gonna spend like a day uh, at some point in Ju June, July, just going all, all over this and just absorbing it. But I have misspent two decades of my life, bro. I've just wasted two Maybe. decades of my life. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't see it that way. And this is one of the beautiful things about coming to epiphanies because epiphanies, I had somebody on there, Laurel Erica, who's another person I've got to get you connected with. Dude. This is just, you know, again, another conversation of a bunch of people you've got to connect with. Um, and what she uh, was talking about was an epiphany is a sudden recognition of the obvious. That's her definition for it. Her thing is word magic and she's a beautiful um, I don't know what the, uh, ironically, I don't know what the fancy word for a, somebody who speaks big words are, but um, it's Limmer's sister, something like that. Anyway, she uh, was talking about this, that it's it's a recognition of the obvious. So that's what's so great about it. It's it's always been there, right? But whenever you look at it and are able to talk to other folks who are doing very niche research, research on some very interesting things, but then you're able to scale up with the entourage effect for everything that you accumulated over the time in which you could have gotten back that you wouldn't have been able to get to the understanding you have now with the information presented to you had you have not gone through the 20 years in which you wish you could have gotten or lived differently. That's the ironic part about all of this shit. You come to these awarenesses and say, ah, oh, fuck, I, what could I do with this now that I have the time? You know, or now that I have the awareness, what would time look like? So then we're, I feel, automatically bound to a reality in which as we come to awarenesses, we feel that they are misused because we don't have the air quotes time to enjoy them, right? Which is, again, maybe just a, a part of the program. Perhaps if, if we get to a new awareness that then we say, whenever we get to new awarenesses, it's like a fountain of youth for our biology. And whenever we hit these awarenesses, new, new neurons are being connected, which then tells my body it can heal in ways that I never even thought were possible before. And this is all probably within you already. It's just a mindset of limitation that keeps us bound to limitation. And so one thing that I've been mindful of is being limitless, like absolutely shunning limits in all sorts of ways, even down to the uh, effect of that I'm not ruling out that we're going to have like superpowers here, like that you're going to see in maybe a decade or two people flying around, shooting laser beams out of their hands and shit. Like, I'm not relegating any of this because the limitations that were put on me, on all of us, but me specifically, from my perspective, which is why I'm speaking it in this way, they told me that there's a certain set of rules here, but also I've been breaking rules since I popped out my mom's vagina. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's very few limits that I experience in my ex everyday anyway, just simply because I'm, my curiosity is this much more than my fear. And as long as it remains that, I'm going to be constantly pushing those boundaries of what is possible. And by that, we stretch then our feeling of what limitations really are in my mind. Okay, so l l actually, that's a cool thread to actually develop a bit. How would 
what are some ways that we could, I suppose, get you know grow beyond our limitation? And I know we 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 discussed it just before we started recording that um, you know some folks, including myself, you know we have we've inherited some some mindsets, you know, like this poverty or not not necessarily poverty mindset, but this lack mindset where everything has to be hard uh, and you have to work really hard to be successful and sort of the, st- the stigma of you know having wealth and success that you know how did you acquire that it usually it, it, the, the the mistaken notion that it's acquired through sort of um less than uh uh you know good well-intentioned means which is obviously bullshit how does one begin to transcend these limitations that were in some ways inherited or self-imposed, would you say? You realize your power, which is an outstanding question, Christian. You realize your power that you are a deliberate creator in this moment. And when you decide that, then you just decide that all of the things that you see around you were created by you in a sense to make you aware that you're a deliberate creator. Think of that everything that you've done, experienced, seen, heard, felt, all of that stuff that you felt happened to you were to get you to the point in your life to where you realize that you created all of that for you. Now, with that understanding, that's a whole different chapter, right? That doesn't bring in the the old ways of thinking to solve new problems, which is what Einstein was talking about. You can't solve new problems with the old with the old way of thinking, right? And so with that even understanding to get to that point, there's a whole decompression process of bringing forward your new way of thinking, even with this current understanding. We can be as aware and as love and light and as awesome as we want to be about it, but until you embody what it means to be that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a whole different game. So from that perspective, then, I would say that the embodiment of is far more important than the awareness. Now, By saying that, then we say, okay, well, how can we look around our lives and see limitations within our reality or feel that we see limitations and disoblige them altogether? There's an awesome book. I don't have it in front of me. It's out there in the other room, but um, called Disobliging Reality. And it's by a guy named Dr. Frank Jezuzak. Um, There's a lot of C's and Z's and U's together in that, but Frank Jezuzak, uh, Disobliging Reality. A listener of mine, uh, he's a dear friend. We write these amazing, like he comes up with these incredible theories and sends them to me. It just blows my mind all the time. This is the dude that recommended this book. Now, it's a 95-page, Jezuzak, yeah, thank you. Uh, It's a 95-page read, and this man Mm. lost his wife and figured that he could not conceptualize of a reality without her because his entire reality was with her before she passed. So to do so, he unwrote everything that he thought about reality. Now, in this book, it's so well written, it's clever, but there's no bullshit. There's no fluff. There's no like anything that doesn't need to be there and is not. And the things that are in there, you appreciate because it shows his personality. The dialogue that goes on with that man and what he feels he's presenting with his understanding of awareness is where that I feel the answer to your question lies. This is where you can disoblige reality in a very big way to where you just, you unsubscribe from things in your life physically. You can also do so emotionally by withdrawing your attention from things to then stop perpetuating, which shows you that you have a a limitless capability of filtering the information which affects you from the outer. Now, you'll get to a point where you realize it, and I'll let you know when I get there. Uh, I've dabbled in it and it feels great, but not embodied 100%, but I don't even know if that's possible. Either way, I digress. 
that you'll get to a point to where it doesn't embody, you don't embody it at all. You just see it, you're okay, observer mode, and then let it float off. But even that in itself is another recognition of limitation, right? So with this, what you do is you, you're mindful. What I would say is that you, number one, it's all gratitude. It's all grateful, right? So you're great. You go internally and absolutely grateful for everything you got. The next thing would be is to take inventory on all the wonderful things that you have in your home through that gratitude. Um, I am sure that my water is going to turn on every time I turn that faucet on. I'm sure that I've got a warm shirt to wear if it's cold. I'm sure that I've got a warm blanket to cover me tonight and a roof to do so, right? So these certainties and gratitude create a vibration. Now, from that vibration, you'll start to realize that really you have so much more boundless things in your environment to be grateful for than you do limitations. And really, the one of the limitations you'll find is that you have so much shit that it's pretty limiting on if you want to maybe branch out and be a little bit more mobile or transient, right? So there are all these beautiful awarenesses that show you that limitations perhaps exist in your life, but really the big ones are simply because we've just been told that. Let's say, for instance, as we unravel, maybe that this place isn't a spinning ball in space, or perhaps that some can perceive it that way, but that's not a ubiquitous experience for all. And that maybe this is more of a realm, it's a experience as you go sort of a thing. If you do expect a ball to render you, if you get into a rocket, it will do so, those kinds of things. But let's say that even on that level, gravity and all of the sciences that they're talking about out here depend on that Newtonian model of cause and effect, motion, physics, all of these things. But when you introduce quantum physics into that, it changed everything. So nothing behaves that way anymore. And so now they even separate them. But the the latter is predicated on, the former is predicated on the latter. The Newtonian is predicated on the quantum, which means that even those ideas are just ideas at a level, which means that they're just observations. Because then we know that you can collapse a waveform by just simply expecting to see it, which is what we get the placebo effect from, and all of these ways of mentally manipulating your reality and data, which can then be shared and agreed upon because it's visible, right, and repeatable based on your expectation for it to be so. When you look at all of these things, then you say, well, perhaps limitations are just the limits of the observer, because there are a lot of uh, stories of these Qigong masters who can create heat in their hand and set paper on fire a distance away from them. It has been witnessed and documented thousands and thousands of cases. There are interesting things when these monks as well are, um, I guess when they pass on their physical body, they have crystals in their heart. And this is like something that's incredible. And that's, uh, they save these things or in little, they're like uh, relics for saints or something to this to this tradition. But either way, there are physiological things that challenge, but change. But what am I? What, what are we saying here? Is that man or that entity super powerful, and they are alone the one that can do it? And if so, what is that? At its core, what I think the what is that is is he didn't believe he couldn't. And so, if you really think about that, it's all belief, right? We're raised with this in movies. It's around you all the time. It's been within you all along. And it's true, um, but not to the hokey way in which they would like for you to disregard it by being so. So these people who are putting their hands in boulders and melting rock and stuff like that, you're all capable of that. It's the ones out there going, nah, uh, that it's not going, that it's going to be a bigger struggle for. And that's just the reality of it. If you're out there just going, nah, uh, then maybe you will be able to do this later whenever you can get over the fact that there are probably some miraculous things out here that you are capable of. And maybe you realize that what we're doing here is empowering you to seek that rather than limiting you by the program that's been installed, that we all got installed, dude. We've all been working our own virus scanners up there and removing all sorts of shit, and my trash is filled and emptied daily on my computer mentally, right? 
It's like, nope, that no longer serves, that no longer serves. And especially when you get to the conversation of, again, being limited, because I found that, um, you know, I had a lot of things go through my mind when I quit my job, my stable, absolute matrix job to just go, you know, what I essentially was felt was playing podcaster for a little bit, but I didn't feel limited in my ability. And that was the biggest thing of it. You know, I don't believe in a lot of things here, but what I absolutely believe is that I am safe and cared for in every moment in time and point in space. So if I know that, then I'm not limited in any way in my mind. So with these, you have little tests of your beliefs and limitations. And then what you do is you test those limitations. So just actionable thing after actionable thing. Play with it in a way to where if it feels uncomfortable but exciting, absolutely fucking try it out. Like you should run towards what scares you. If there's something that you feel you can't do, reevaluate that with more awareness. And it's those things, like let's say out there, one great example is a Rubik's Cube. Uh, if there may be people out there who can solve a Rubik's Cube, maybe can't, challenge yourself to make learning how to solve a Rubik's Cube in any way you want, not as fast as you want, just get from fucked up to organized. Yeah. That's it. If, and do that skill and you'll see that you aren't limited in any way. You know, again, people that are triggered all oh, has got a lot of buttons on it. Just <laughs> sit with this for a minute and, and realize that those are triggers of limitation. You know, anything you can think that you want to do, figure out where your limits lie by your triggers. Are you, origi are you originally from Texas? Yes, sir. Okay. That's you why I have, have a spot on occasionally impression. You, you add that twang. Yeah. But you, but you don't talk like with a, I suppose it has such a big state that. Well, I can. Uh, we, <laughs> I used we, to could. I used to could. Uh, we, I have a non-regional diction, I suppose, is what it said. But there are still many words that I'll say like uh, oil. I usually say oil, oil. when I'm talking oil. about that. Uh, and foil, we say foil. foil. Uh, yeah. And the dirt outside oil. is called soul. And it's just easier for me to say it that way. So yeah. usually I will. My wife always points it out and she's adorable. Nice. Um, like instead of pinch, I say peach just because it's more fun for me. I don't know. Uh, peaches nice. as well. They're not peaches. They're peaches. <laughs> it's the same thing. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, yeah. Pecans, pecans, you know, we pecans. just have some fun with it. But for the uh, most part, I, I would it. say that I possess non-regional addiction. Yes, sir. It's awesome. I remember, born and raised. I remember I was in the car with my dad. I was maybe 10, 11 years of age or something like that. And he was driving me home from school, and I, I, I say, I said something. I remember this uh, a few days ago, this memory, and you know how something happens, and then like later on, maybe days or weeks or that same day or months later, you like you come up with a better answer, and if, <laughs> if you could put yourself back in that spot, um, you were like, oh man, that would have been so good if I had that retort or that answer. So anyway, yeah. I remember we were in the car with my dad. And I was like, again, 10, 10, 11 years of age. And I said, Dad, you know, I believe anything is possible in this world, in this life. Something like that, you know. What do you think? And he's like, <laughs> he, he, at first he was like, you know, yeah. Well, do I feel, do I think like the car can just like fly off right now over there? No. So I'm like, Why not? But, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, dude. So, but like that sort of really like. That's not what I fucking needed to hear at that time, man. As a child, you have to like this, and this is where even my dad said it to me. I remember years, more than a decade ago, fifteen years ago, um, he said, "You know, maybe, hopefully, you, you won't make the same mistakes as a parent that I I did, and you'll be a much better dad than me." And, and you know, that's always been my. We already talked about this off of Mike. That's that's my um, 
and my my wife we consciously try to transcend the limitations that our parents had they were trying to be better in some ways obviously we'll, there will be always mistakes you're going to make and stuff but uh, if i if i could have put myself back in the car at that time I'd say like that's not what i mean that's not what i mean you muppet i'm talking <laughs> philosophically fucking speaking you know what i mean i'm talking philosophically anything is possible like i'm trying to inspire you i'm trying to be inspired here you dumbass you know but, then- uh, then the question is, I don't mean to interrupt, but then the yeah. question is, is would you go back and say that or would you go back with the knowledge you have now and never have asked the question? So therefore, you wouldn't have been disappointed by the answer you knew your father would give. That's a, that's a very good question. That's a very good um, that's a very good point. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I I think everything happens for a reason. But my I think my, my point is when this is how we learn limitations you know like i remember i remember i was in spain i was working for my dad uh, he, in, in his construction business so i was working like as a do everything boy bring me this bring me that to all the all the construction workers there you know I was carrying all sorts of shit mixing cement and mortar and carrying bricks and um i remember one we were living with a, a, a couple of other families and what one of the other the guys that I was working with, his daughter, she was like in her late 20s. And she said that her dad told her, if you don't save as much money as you can by the time you have kids, you're fucked. You will never have money in your life. And then I'm like, Jesus, what a horrible thing to like imprint on your child that your stupid, silly little belief that you have. And then on the other hand, my dad would tell me things like um, when when um, we were like maybe teenagers, like 13, 14 with my sister, he said, you know, I I I would never have thought that ha- after having children, I could make so much money and do so many businesses and, and do so well financially. So like for me, I never had that limiting belief that having children will will fuck up my career my ability to to make money you know what i mean whereas my wife on the other hand she's got well obviously women maternity leave she she had to stop her ballet teaching business and she had to start from scratch again this year or last year was was it yeah last year um so she's seeing so she's kind of it, it seems like circumstantial things along with the imprinting from your parents or you know influential influential people can definitely create sort of put us put us in these tunnel visions for specific things and this is where i, f- I feel like if we can hack out of this it, whatever whatever way it is you know what, what what you already discussed i took some notes i definitely have to reflect on these things um what you already said i think are some, some great strategies to begin to unravel those threads bro yeah, it's what it's all about, but you've nailed it with this, dude. You've nailed it with the, it's just something that was, you You have an observation of the difference of what it means to be raised with a different mentality in your home. You are not limited by that belief and therefore you're thriving, right? With that with that, with that, that in mind, with, yeah, why wouldn't we be able to do that? You know, it's, a, it's, it's odd for you to be presented with that as a limitation from your partner, but your partner has a very different view, the same view in, in opposition to you, where yeah. it's just miraculous that you don't have that thing. And what does that feel like? And that's where you can both really be there for each other, not taking on the the things that the program that she was, but to help her from your perspective of healed from that perspective um, with that, 
then unraveling those with her from a safe place and saying, hey, look, here's here's my lineage's example of this. Like you married right. You know, if nothing else, just be confident and be confident in your decision making ability for your partner. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that may call in a bunch of other triggers. I don't know. Uh, are her parents, <laughs> have they ever been divorced? Yeah. Okay, so, so maybe skip that one. But what I mean to say is, is let's unravel one thing at a time, <laughs> well, right? Very, yeah, you don't want to you're very in. fucking lucid, bro. You're like, you, you, yeah, very, I like that. I like I'm that. I'm empathetic. Like, I uh, see. No, 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 no. You, you caught yourself mid sentence where there, there's intricacies involved. Yes. Uh, because a lot of people just continue plowing on, and then you tell them, oh yeah, but that won't work because. So you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're thinking, why you're thinking, why you're talking? You know what I mean? It's fucking. I love that. Received. You know? I'll take it. I'm a. Fl I'm in flow. I'm out of my way. Is what it is. I mean, just I'm a channel for the muse. My <coughs> highest and best. The one I'm yeah. most proud of is the one that steps in at these times. So, thank you. Open to receive. The yeah, but that that unraveling there can occur from that safe place. Now, my wife and I had very different um, experiences, and what you guys have. We both were installed with that program of exactly what you're talking about. So, and it's still a process. To be honest with you, we're still unraveling those things. There's turning points that we're reaching all the time and awareness is that we are together reaching all the time. It's one of those things though, that I wasn't willing to go ahead and spring forward and move on without my wife. And so like you, this is ride or die. We've done this many times together. My wife and I've done these lifetimes many times together. This is just another one where it's a different, more exciting, and we get to meet some really cool people in this one. So together we are, we are moving at that pace and it's wonderful if we stop for a little bit and we want to smell some flowers and re, um, reinvite those memories into our lives to reinterpret again from this moment of now. And that's fine. That's a process that we will do with patience, love, and grace. And we continue to do so, but we do it together because it's never, and you know this with your wife, it's not you versus her. It's you and her versus the problem. If there's anything to be gleaned from that, but it's really the way I see it. It's not a versus anything. Uh, there is no bad guy here in my mind. Pat Mahan, shout out. Um, but really it's you and her that have the opportunity in disguise as a problem so it's just disguised as something um which feels more like a question than a problem than a problem at that point right so that's that's really just this embodiment of not getting caught up really just in the character but then like you said uh being able to unravel together that's that's a fascinating um experience that you both have uh blessed for her blessed for you to be able to be humbled by that perspective but also what a beautiful thing for your children to be raised in as well that learning environment where there's a there's a physical model in their lives of healing and growing together occurring at the same rate minus some limitations. So there's some interesting uh, corollaries going on there. It's a it's a fascinating environment you got going. I'm, it's beautiful. I'm proud of you. Thank you, buddy. It's it's very interesting. All right, like having a child is such a it's such an enriching experience, man. Like it we're um, just the other day we're like we're talking. Our kid, our daughter, she's she's twenty months. You know, she's not just just over a year and a half, and she's there sitting in her high chair and she's eating her yogurt on her own. And today, my wife gave her a fork and a little kitty knife, and she's like, "Do you want to cut your banana up yourself?" And she's there like chopping at this freaking banana. And like I remember, um, you know my. My nephews would still be spoon fed when they were three years old. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like it's and me and my wife. Well, I mean, like there's challenges. Of course, we have plenty of other challenges, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like how fast they develop and how incredibly smart and aware they are of everything. It, it just, it, it just 
changes all your perceptions about again and this is again limit think to, I guess the, the the question of limitations what did we learn is a limitation like if you if you're feed, spoon feeding this child until they're like three years of age four years of age god knows if you're cutting it up if you're putting she she puts her dude she puts her own shoes on she puts her own freaking shoes on now she can put her flip-flops on she can put her slip-on shoes she's even trying to put the little like velcro strap right and so if you're getting your shoes tied, putting your everything, you're getting dressed for 10 years, like you could literally train a person that for the first 10 years of their life, they will have to be dressed by you. You just somehow do it for you. It's faster. Da, 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 da. Like you learn the limitations of the world through, through these initial experiences. So it's like, I, I feel like this is the opportunity we have right now is to basically not allow our, our previously acquired limitations to you know become a part of another person's life you know it it's very important and what you say is so fucking important especially for those parents who maybe limit and and this is just the truth of it because like you said there's a lot of influencers so Let's just stick with the home for for now, that the parents themselves have a lot of limitations that they're casting on those children um, unbeknownst to them. So it's not even something they're consciously doing. It's part of that 95 subconscious programming that parents sometimes can get into this state of vulnerable awareness and you're in this hypersensitivity state, almost like a psychedelic state or like a traumatic event or something to where all of your senses are heightened. And so to where you're just receiving a lot of information the best you can with the information you have at the time and then passing that on in a hurried, exhausted manner. Now, I will say this before I say anything else about parents. I am not one in the physical reality. Um, I'm a great observer of relationships and corollaries and systems, but I don't have the intrapersonal bond between a child and myself as parents do with theirs. But again, I can see the value in it, uh, having been one and been raised by one and you know all of those things. So with that in mind, one of the interesting things, again, is that these limitations are cast on your children by you, not, not you specifically, but the but folks unconsciously because, again, that they're not even aware that they're doing it. So this is where you as a parent take inventory on all the things that you're exposing your child to. Are you still upset that your president didn't win? And are you still yelling at a TV for information or information air quotes coming out at you constantly and that your child is seeing that? And seeing that it should also be upset at that this particular person didn't win because there's a lot of baggage that these kids want to take on because you're willing to give it to them. So the biggest thing is isn't isn't probably to shelter them from the realities of the world. It's not to teach your toddler about a mortgage. It's not necessary for their development, right? It's unnecessary information. And as much as parents feel that they were told that they need to prepare their kids in these ways, perhaps it's just an idea that you've been taken on. And maybe it's just another thing from the program that was offered just as it was to your parents. It's just going to be packaged differently. It needs to be updated, right? Apps are updated constantly. So are perception-managed events that then change the dynamics of the home to direct this, to the directive of the state. That's how we'll kindly mm -hmm. put it and move on. Mm -hmm. What I will say to that then is that inventory on everything is very important. And this is, again, when you go within. This is where you perhaps start looking around at the things. And it's not like, oh, I can't cuss in front of my kids. No, if you want to have an authentic relationship with your children about language and the way you speak, absolutely do that. These are, again, limitations that you were put on and that, you know, some words are icky. But again, those are your limitations. So taking inventory of those, but being very real, very real 
about put, not putting your opinions and your shit on your kids. That I feel is one of the biggest changes of parents today that I'm seeing being made by folks like you, Spencer, again, the list goes on of these incredible folks who were on a network with uh, listeners as well. Please reach out uh, to Christian for more information on that. He'll get everybody connected. And we've got these amazing networks that are coming together that are driven by this goal of not limiting your children in any way. And what a lot of that is, is withdrawing the energies from the systems that we've been investigating, investing in that have facilitated the greatest amount of that, which would be you know, uh, Dr. Edith Mbutu-Chan just had her on, so got to send her a shout out. Highly recommend everybody check out Luminous Education. That's her website. She has an incredible network that we have a lot of work that we're very excited to get going on. And one of the things she's talking about here is the school education program and what they do. And one, one thing that her child came home and said, mom, I don't, you know, I was working on this engineering thing. He's like building blocks and stuff. This incredibly bright child. Her child reads with a blindfold on, like knows crazy amounts of things. Like definitely, Amazing. this is why I'm skipping over it real quick, but highly investigate this uh, thing if, you, if you'd like listeners. Um, but to that, the, the kid will say, you know, why do I have to raise my hand uh, when I have to pee? Like it's uncomfortable for me to sit there with a full bladder uh, when I need to pee. Why can't I just go when I need to go, right? The other thing is, is uh, he was sitting there building something, but it's so regimented and scheduled that every like hour or 57 minutes, something where you just miss flow or where you can get right into flow and then it's interrupted, um, that, and then they'll bing, and then you go to history and then bing, and then you go over here, right? So this, this kind of regimented learning, it forms a mentality and that mentality then forms a persona. And that is one that's easily guided by the state. Like that's what they yeah. want. There's a lizard turd they, <laughs> but again, as a bad guy, we've superseded that model in my mind, or I have at least. And so I invite folks to also view this as an opportunity rather than a deliberate apprehension of your reality, right? It can be viewed that way, but I believe it's its primary function and goal is to motivate you to get the fuck away from it and to do something completely the opposite. So all the inverted processes we see in there, none of them can move forward with this with the mentality we have. They need to be updated. They are long fucking overdue, and we're all very aware of this now. Now, if you think you're going to find that within the same system, then that brings us back to the conversation of limitations. You're limiting yourself by solving the problem by the same thinking that created it, right? The same level of thinking that created it. You must transcend that level. And what does that look like? That's the great mystery in question. This is though what systems like what you and I have been raised in and are breaking free from have taught us is that we need someone to come save us, that an answer will be provided, and then a template will be there to be filled in simply. Um, I feel now more than ever that the skills we've acquired to this point have absolutely called bullshit on that model. There's no one coming to save you. There's no such thing as Q and um, all of these other things in my mind. I know uh, you guys feel triggered as you'd like there, but uh, sub real quick, if you're looking into Q and you've really planted your flag there, look into something called the Bolshevik Rev Revolution that took place in the uh, 20s, long time ago. Uh, same template, by the way. They told everybody, hey, don't worry about it. We've got everything covered. But it was a, a faction of the government that infiltrated the rebels that told them to do that, that pacified when a revolution was absolutely successful. So this may be another part of that. So it, again, if but if you're investigating all your time in that and thinking, oh, well, someone's going to come save us and they're going to rewrite the system, this is again where you're invited to take a detour from that old level of thinking and transcend it and move to a new level of thinking where we're all at. Now, the beautiful part about this, again, is that it's so uncharted, but we all have a mission of love in this. And so as long as that is your compass, and this is going to sound cheesy as shit, and I don't give a fuck, as long as your love is your compass, you've got this. And it's a structured 
clear, intuitive path from there. And we're all here together on this. So if you're interested in anything that I'm talking about here, reach out to Christian. We've we've got a network. I love your un giving a fuckness. I love that because I'm the same, bro. <sighs> give zero yeah. fucks. Be speak your truth and give zero fucks, bro. And th- th- I think that's the way forward. This is all being an authentic human being is what there's so much fakery and bullshit putting on airs putting on makeup uh figuratively and literally before you leave the house before you you know point your fucking smartphone at yourself you know (laughs) that's bullshit and we've it's another one of those things that we are conditioned we have been conditioned into and i love seeing people like you Living your authenticity, living your authenticity, and you know we all have quirks, we all have little idiosyncrasies that make us kind of weird and wonderful. And but you, 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 um, what's the word? You own that shit. And and the older I get, the more I mature. Let's okay, mature. Let's not put me and mature in the same not. fucking yeah, sentence. Yeah, I hope you're not. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like the 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 more experience i get like the basically the older i get the the less fucks i give about what people think what people do and uh i love that about you bro love it back about you man because it's you got two people to impress here and if we can empower anybody else with this then it's two people to impress the five-year-old version of you and the 85 year old version of you i'm very adamant about this because those are the only people that number one matter and number two that you can Prove they're real. Uh, If we're going to get into the weird shit about the NPCs and that perhaps all of this is a projection around you and all of that, and you're really investing a lot of your energy and a lot of the, oh, why I should have said this? And I want to say something to what you said. You know, uh, back to that, uh, the, oh, I should have said this thing. There's a funny thing. It it made me think of Seinfeld. Do you ever watch that show or have you ever seen it? Seinfeld. I've seen bits, bits and pieces, yeah. In that, there's an episode where the guy says something about him eating all the shrimp, and he goes, yeah, well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you, right? And so this was a thing. He later on thought that, but didn't say it, and then wanted to go back and say it. And then it's, you know, hilarity it's ensues, late. all those things, but it's too late, right? So um, I think I can get us back to what we were talking about. <sighs> Give me the a word jerks, to help me out. The jerk store called. Jerk store threw me off, dude. Um, and I was in a band called Jerk Store because of that. Uh, oh, wow. Thing. But anyway, uh, I think we were talking about what were owning, we talking about? Owning your quirks and thank and you. Yes, impressing your five-year-old and eighty-five-year-old version. That's of yourself. it. So all these NPCs, thank you. All these NPCs running around out here. Maybe I mean, if if anything, you can prove what you see and feel. Other than that, it's kind of a crapshoot out there. So take that as philosophically as deep woo-woo as um, mind fuck as you'd like. But to the reality of it. Is, is that if you are living in an external condition to where the things that make you the most you are the things that you're embarrassed about because that you feel that the external environment isn't accepting of them, those are things you question. That That's what you sit with right there. You know, Now, if there are things that rob you of your confidence in ways that, let's say, when you drink, you turn into an asshole. Okay, well, that's self-realization and self-actualization, and then that's a deeper conversation. But if there are things like the way you part your hair, if there are things like a nose ring that you like, if there are things like you vape and you think people will think you're a douchebag, anything that robs you of your confidence, sit with in a way. But if it doesn't, and it's things that you love about yourself, then question who, what your environment is responding to you in. So are the people that make you, that you're surrounding yourself with make you feel that way, right? The greatest compliment I can ever give my wife is that she 
makes me free to be myself. Like it doesn't matter how much I love her. She allows me to be myself and the most authentic free me ever. Now, if that isn't an environment that everyone wouldn't want for any entity in their life, NPC or not, I don't know what to tell you. Like that, the ability to be yourself in any situation is the ultimate goal and the ultimate avenue moving forward. That is where everyone's compasses are pointed. So the more triggered anyone gets by the fact of, by the thought rather, it's not a fact that you decided it is, by the thought that you're going to put yourself out there and then be immediately shunned back into the cave from which you came, then, I mean, that's not what we're doing. And if it is, then perhaps you've surrounded yourself by a batch of NPCs. And in that case, I would say, then good on you because you were meant to grow where you're planted. And so you will be planted around a bunch of things that make you, that encourage you to hone your discernment and that to really stand up for yourself in an authentic way. And when you do that, those that environment changes. Now, rather that's a subsequent thing or rather you create it is a philosophical question and that's a conversation that's fun, but either way it does seem to occur that when you, that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so when you change your environment out there, you're gonna look differently at your connection and relationship to it. And if you're free to be in 100% you in connection with that, that's when you've cultivated the environment. So this is where, again, we're being perhaps limited in our thinking of our integration into society. I hear all the time from people who go from a discipline, let's say in the matrix, let's just say a lawyer, a, a real estate, anybody, something like that. And then they started a podcast. And one of the things we talk about is their authentic self doing this podcast about spirituality, about Reiki, and they're really into this kind of shit. But what they say is, I don't think my family and my friends or anybody will approve of this, so I just don't tell anyone. Now, what's interesting is someone finds their show, and then they'll come out and say, oh my God, I've been going to this Reiki thing, but I didn't know I could tell you about it. And oh my God, we've been questioning our education system as well. We've been looking into alternatives, but we were putting on the face for everyone because we didn't know you were looking into it. So it's the bold authenticity that will actually show you that it's not a fucking rare quality and that it was relegated as a rare quality to keep you from your true power. Mm. You know, it, that I love that because when I started my podcast back in 2020, first I started getting on like these Buddhist uh, teachers and, you know, folks talking about um, f philosophy and, and health. And then I, I started getting folks about psychedelics. And then I was like, wait, like... It, how would this change my career prospects if, if people see I have a podcast see? and I'm interested in, in psychedelics? But then I started inviting folks that are conspiracy researchers, analysts, like guys like Charlie Robinson and stuff like that. And then at that point, I was like, okay, well, here, here now we're at the point of no return. I, I now have to decide for myself, do, am I going to give a fuck? what a potentially a bunch of NPCs think yep. or people that I never cared what they think. I shouldn't care what they think, what they're going to think. Or do I follow my bliss and interview the fucking sweet ass people that I love guys like Charlie and all these other awesome folks I've had on. And I went with it, bro. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck this shit. I am. I'm going to follow my bliss. I'm going to interview these awesome people that I'm attracted to. For, for however many reasons, the psychedelics people, the, the conspiracy people, these are the coolest people, you know, and I'm so glad I, I, I just uh, listened to, to, to my heart and follow my heart. These are the coolest people, you know, and then I remember my, my wife at one point, 
she also kind of she, and she it comes from a place of obvious obviously loving care she said you know you have to remember that you know these conspiracy guys they're cool and she like every conspiracy that i've researched i told her about so she she knows and she's very much awake she's more awake than most people you know um so but she, she told me she said look just think about it you know if you associate yourself with folks like that <clears throat> you may the normies out there may you know black black spot you or put a black mark or a black boy or whatever they might associate you as a you know loop the loop good cookie motherfucker and i said you know what it, it, this this came to to the question of with my health consulting and stuff like that you know because i have people on the podcast that are into conspiracies but then i'm also like talking about health and i'm, I'm telling people I, I offer health consulting if you're interested so she's like you know think about it that way and you know what I actually, when I was on tinfoil hat, had a couple of ladies, women that actually contacted me and became clients. And one of them yesterday, she told me that she first heard me on Charlie's Macroaggressions podcast. And then after hearing me on tinfoil hat, she, she decided to get in touch with me. So I told my wife, you know, like, I would rather find my tribe, the, the people that resonate with my core values and beliefs and help them out, than you know, deal with you know, like try to impress and like put on airs for people that might even be NPCs at the end of the day. Yes. I'm, I'm talking figurative, you know? Maybe. But yes, I, I, I know what you're saying. It It's fascinating because your awareness of grow, growing the organic audience in that way is is the key to this. It, it is the aligned audience we're talking about because I've, I've got a bunch of fucking followers on TikTok. I'm not sure if they're real. Um, yeah. Some people engage, some people don't. So the amount of followers and all those kinds of things lost my mind a long time ago. I'm rarely looking at analytics. If I do, it's accidentally or someone will send me like a thing and they'll be like, dude, that's awesome. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> like, it's nice. Um, but it's not something I focus on for that reason. It's substanceless. It's it's really what it's about is the being able to set yourself free in these kind of conversations and feel empowered. The real question, though, is, is how do you do that authentically with still the business? And so... Again, this is, as, as you said, I'm grateful you walked us through this mental, uh, mental process you had with this because, again, it was an old level of thinking that you were anthropomorphizing just for a second on top of, and then you realized that the pieces didn't fit, that they didn't go together moving forward. So then you said, actually, no, uh, this is not what's important. And actually, we did a great thing by declaring ourselves authentically because now these NPCs have ran for the hills that are not a match for it. That's great. You're putting yourself out there in a way that it's not disingenuously attractive to the wrong people. Does that make sense? A lot of people sometimes will put themselves out with this version of themselves and they'll say, hey, here's what I look like. Here's the headshots that I had made and I'm in front of this fountain and shit. And you look <laughs> at them, you're like, what the fuck is the background's all fucked? Like what's going on here? But it's this presentation. But then again, you get this, it's, it's a runaround for everyone involved. Most so for the content creator because you're out there to do the most altruistic service. You feel because of the programming, that by presenting yourself in a way that's more ubiquitously appreciated, that you'll be able to cast a wider net when it comes to your level of service, which I thought for a long time too. Now, my understanding about summer of last year has been almost a year I've been sitting with this, really embodying this shit. 
um, was that if I'm my most authentic me, I'm only going to call in the people that I'm a resident match for. So it doesn't confuse anyone. It's less work for me. I don't need to go in and rebrand my shit, take new headshots and go, actually, that was a whole thing. Because now you can, not that anyone, redemption stories are beautiful and we love those. But what I mean to say is, is that perhaps there could have been people within that pool originally that then find even the flip-flop unauthentic. But I don't think that's the case. I'm only speaking it as a consideration. The main the 90% of the experience I feel that you will have is an appreciation for your authenticity every time. Now, if you can just come out the gate with that, outstanding. Uh, and even that changes, right? Even my, I'm more comfortable with revealing more of who I am, which changes all the time. Like I'm an evolving creature. Like we're constantly doing this as a kinetic thing, which again is something I'm um, very proud that I'm aware of, that it doesn't need to be so damn rigid and figured out because that's actually how I was keeping the dopest shit away from me by wanting to have it figured out and then getting it and being like, oh, this fucking sucks. You know what I mean? It's when I got out of the way that I would say this or something better. The dude, the something better, number one, was always what occurred. Number two, it was always way the fuck better than anything I could have come up with. Even with the most incredible imagination at the time, the intricacies, the way things played out, the little symphony of how it all came together, you can't predict that shit. Why would you yeah. want to? It's such yeah. a magical experience to be surprised by, okay. which is really what I feel this is about. Love yeah. That, all right, man, let's talk a little bit about you. Let's uh, tell me, like, um, so we talked about your morning routine uh, last time. Tell me, like, what do you, what do you, like, eat? What do you do throughout the day? Like, what's your, the rest of your day? Like, what do you eat and drink? What kind of activities do you do? Like, do you take any supplements? Uh, I know you, like, you have animals there. You, like, you grow your own food. Tell me all about that shit, bro. I'd love to know. Sure, yeah, and um, thank you. We... I, the morning routine is very important. That's now been about a two-hour thing. We get, a, I get up. Uh, wife gets up. Wife and I both get up about four thirty. If we're sleeping in five uh, a.m. every single morning, no matter what time we go to bed. Um, this morning, actually, I slept until five. So, the the thing about that morning and what I covet about that so much is it's the start. I have, I do not touch my phone. You know, I'm not on anything for the first at least hour. I'll reference some things in the second half of my process from the phone, but I know exactly where they are, and they have nothing to do with anything I don't want to see. And then the next part of that would be um, I'm down to one cup of coffee in the morning, which is a huge victory. Um, and then also I'm um, outside immediately. So right with the sunrise, usually maybe right after about 7 a.m., I am um, outside and I am there for at least an hour. Uh, we have a labyrinth out back. I walked it four times this morning. It's about 1,300 steps in and then 13, uh, 1,300 steps in and out, round trip. There's a center point to it. I know I've probably explained this, but in that labyrinth, it's I walk barefoot among the grass uh, in the morning dew with all the you know morning energy and everything as the sun comes up. When I get to the middle, I thank all the cardinal directions for their expansion of consciousness, all those above and below, set my intentions for the way out, and then I attract on the way out. Wait, it's a mindfulness. Wait, wait. Go ahead. So this labyrinth is something you created. You 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 grew yourself. Have I not that, told you about this? I mean, you did tell me, and I I know what a labyrinth is, but it's like hedges that you've trimmed yourself and created yourself, and essentially, but just with grass. So grass. I did, it, yeah, because we get we're out here in uh, North Texas, so we get these beautiful prairie grasses with these natural wildflowers and pollinators that come through and all wow. this stuff. But I usually just mow it, so it's just all flat. We have uh, two acres around the house that's uh, fenced off from the pasture. Now, the pasture is mm -hmm. where like, we keep the donkeys and the pond. We keep it out there. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. And that's another 10 acres. But that mm -hmm. that's for the animals. Um, the two acres around the house, we have a garden, uh, an area for a garden, which we're developing, and then the home. And then behind it, there's an old um, 
not old, it was an older uh, pecan tree orchard. So there's several pecan trees. There are about 30 pecan trees on our property. We, we need not for pecans. And um, back there, though, there's like half of it's completely open field. The other half is half rows of pecans, right? And so uh, these beautiful trees. And so what I did was instead of mowing it all flat, about two years ago, I mowed the outer edge of the fence and then perimetered it off to about an acre. So I know this is confusing. So the first acres for the house, the second acre is all this back here with just this open with trees and shit, mm -hmm. uh, but mostly open field. And in that, um, I then let it all grow up. And then I take my mower just one swath wide. It's a riding lawn mower, 54 inches wide. And then I just mow a single path through it. However, I'm intuitively guided to do. Now, this one is two years old, the one that I did two years ago, and we're, we're keeping it. We love this one, this design, this everything. And I just meander through the trees, through the grasses and everything. And then what I do is I just keep that part mowed and then let everything else grow. So we have all the natural grasses growing. I don't even know uh, if you knew this, dandelions grow to the height that they're mowed. So actually they get about four and a half, five feet. We have five foot tall, four, at least four foot tall dandelions back there, wow. which are great dandelion root teas for your heart and everything like mm. that. Of course, Roundup, the famous company that wants you to kill all those things is also owned by Bayer, the number one heart medication uh, in the world. So that's an interesting thing. We have a sea of dandelions back here, but it's all these wildflowers which brought in Dude, tens of thousands of pollinators and butterflies, like our cats and dogs. We walk this every morning. So this is how my day starts, is out there in Incredible. that. I'm out there for as long as I'd like to be. So no like wonder you're radiating like fuck. And I'm tanning you know? shit. I'm always outside. I'm walking yeah. with my shirt off. I do lunges out there. I do push-ups in the middle. We do little you know, activities, whatever. But yeah, it's something that I mowed. I let the natural grasses go through their seasons. And it's beautiful, dude. We absolutely love it. Because it's like a jungle for the cats. Because it'll get, you know, I mean, a good mid-tier waste. Some of the plants and everything out there. We have wow. a bunch of yarrow that's growing. Everything smells incredible. Amazing. And it's just beautiful. So that's how I start my day. And then, so like, do you, at what point do you start like eating food and shit? I barely eat. And that's the other thing is I'm, um, I just pull it from somewhere, the ether, wow. something like that. My eating habits are not great. I'm a fairly picky eater when it comes to most things. Um, I eat kind of like a five-year-old, maybe at best, but really, um, I'm on, um, a lot of meat. Uh, we are definitely carnivores mm -hmm. around here, but no, mm -hmm. we don't grow uh, our animals out here are all rescue. So we don't eat mm -hmm. anything that we have out here. Mm -hmm. We did it with chickens once and we hated it. So yeah, um, it's just it one of those things. It's just yeah. one of those things. And yeah. so, um, but a lot of that, and then a lot of like for lunch, most of the time I'll have like an apple uh, and peanut butter. That's like my main thing is something like that. It's a very minimalist diet, but I'm, like I said, out in the sun constantly. Yeah. Water, uh, we mineralize our water. So we put Celtic sea salt or something like that in it. Uh, this 32 or 46 ounce, I've already drank five of these, today, four or five of these today, but it's mineralized water. So it's not flushing mm. me out. Like we're mm. very aware of that. Uh, that's kind of what it is. Now I'll intuitively probably go and grab something to eat about, I don't know, maybe noon or two, somewhere in that window, if I have time. So there's a lot of just kind of grabbing whatever I can in between stuff. I'm on a very inconsistent food schedule. So my body's always like in metabolized mode which is great, I guess, because um, I feel phenomenal. I've never felt healthier. I have energy for days, but I eat very minimally. Um, sodas, maybe one or two a week, I'll have a Dr. Pepper, you know, just because. Coffee, uh, down to one cup a day, maybe one in the afternoon. But again, sometimes I'll go from 4.30 in the morning till midnight, you know, and so if I have an evening show that I need to be very alert for that's a California live, you know, at midnight my time, then yeah, we, you know, we do it. So, uh, but really it's, uh, it's a lot of exercise. I'm outside constantly. We have the ranch, but I'm constantly outside doing stuff, but not bogged down by big food choices. So like I said, we grill steaks, um, 
quite regularly. We do healthy vegetables, asparagus, broccoli, um, uh, Brussels sprouts. We'd love those. A little balsamic, dude, baking them in the oven. Oh, my God, get out of here with that. And uh, some salmon, uh, chicken, stuff like that. But we are definitely meat eaters. But, um, nice. yeah, and we okay. grill constantly. I'm always grilling something. And you take any supplements or no. anything? No. You don't take anything. I used wow. to take ashwagandha, vitamin B, stuff like that, but I've stopped all supplements. I haven't taken them in over a year. Um, wow. No, nothing like that. I add that's a little amazing. bit of mushroom complex, which is something that's you can buy. It's like six different mushrooms. Chaga. Yeah, yeah, like reishi, chaga, this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, lion's mane, all that. Lion's I add that yeah. a little tiny scoop of it to my coffee, but yeah. other than that, that's the only supplement I would say that I get. Cool. It's, like I said, very boring, I suppose, yeah. you know, when it comes to that, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I always love to like um, when I see awesome people. I always love to know what what do they eat. You know, how, how do they do shit? Basically, you know, <laughs> because I I want to know. And it's so amazing that people do such different things. Uh, you know, amazing, vibrant people, and somehow they, there's a common factor between them. And I honestly, to be honest with you, I don't actually think like what you said is 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 closer to what i think is the 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 thing is pulling something out of the ether bro like this it could be i think it's positive mental attitude is such a massive um uh part of health yeah it's you know? a fuel source for sure because yeah. there is i am drawing it from somewhere um i i output far more calories than i input like far more i should be studied for this like a magnitude of i don't know how much but um yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, interesting thing that I've never looked in the mouth. I've, I've always been very grateful for my energy, for my stamina, for my ability to focus even as fatigued as I should be. Um, for some reason, I just I have this draw, this, this power source within me uh, that continues to shine. I knew this when I was um, a touring musician as well. I, you know, we write it off to tour energy is what we say, but I toured with an, I was with another guy who didn't play. He just went with me as a buddy, so I didn't go by myself on the U.S. tour. And he slept like a lot, like he needed a lot of rest. And I just didn't, you know. Um, mm. So I just feel that uh, it's, I'm grateful for it. I really am. Another thing I don't dream, this is a really interesting thing. I'm pretty sure it's because I smoke pot. That's probably what it is. But yeah, one of the main things is I don't really remember dreaming even when I didn't smoke pot. So mm. I kind of view this um, as that maybe I'm living my dream constantly. And so I don't need an escape whenever I go to sleep or I'm some super, super ultra alien badass on the other side fighting wars and I just make myself forget when I wake up. That's to not, you know, ruin it. Yeah, There's yeah. important secret missions going on up there. I don't know. I I don't remember where I read this or where I kind of discovered this, but from what I understand, the more you dream, it's the more that your mind is processing like quote unquote problems right really so so i i believe yeah from from that perspective i believe the reason you don't dream is you're able to process all the events through the day consciously you're not uh cordoning cordoning them off you're not like you know um what's the word um uh, repressing things yeah you know, like uh pushing things to the to the back of your mind to the subconscious so then the subconscious is forced to to kind of bubble bubble them up so to process them. That could be it. I don't know. Maybe that's interesting. I'll mm. take that. You know, I like that. Um, but I also am a connector with uh, cannabis. Cannabis and I have had a phenomenal relationship that I really just uh, got reintroduced to because I um, was able to um, about two years ago. And so it's, it's really been something that, man, we have just an awesome relationship. Like it just... 
Uh, Mary and I work so well <laughs> together, and my wife is named Mary. And um, yeah, it's just been one of these things. You know, it's not a dependency thing. Not at all. Oh, I gotta no. I just um, it, it's a balanced interaction that is something that's so wonderful. And usually in the evening, but again, it's it's I feel that I'm just so on, 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 on. For the most, for most of my waking day, it is a synapsis um, jubilee up there. It's just, there's so much going on. There's so many things and so many things to look forward to. And I'm always excited about amazing things. And like you said, processing opportunities in, in disguise or problems as other people would call them very rapidly and ganeshing my ass through these obstacles and stuff like that, that um, whenever it does get to the end of the day, you know, it, there's an echo of, all that was in the day, but also all I'm looking forward to tomorrow. So what I have found is Mary Jane and I can sit down and she and I can say, okay, we're we're done with that for today. There's plenty more to look at. You did a great job. Right now, what we're going to do is some self-care and just turn it off for a minute. And it also, um, I've found, it really helps me just focus on that one act of just breathing. Because like I said, it's usually a pretty, a synaptic jubilee up there. And I've gotten very it's been a challenge, to be honest with you, for it to work that way and for me to feel limited in my environment by other processes, you know, maybe it'd be ignorance or something like that, right? And so we struggle with, I used to struggle formally, I'm a far recovered uh, struggler of that mentality that just no longer uh, plays a part in me. But it's, again, through this balance of meditation, of my walks outside in nature, understanding when I need my breaks, understanding that there is a day I don't turn the computer on at all, um, understanding that balance is a very important part of this process and also not to get wrapped up in, yes, that you are a spiritual being, but you know, don't forget about that human experience part of this and to really take care with it and you know, to get out and do some dope shit, take your kid to go do some cool stuff, you know, see some waterfalls, things like that. So it's about balance and that's what re-centers and grounds me, um, which is really nice. But Mary definitely helps. I love her. Yeah, awesome, bro. And you said you you have donkeys and the, all the animals. You have a rescue animals. Tell us about that, bro. Yeah, so we've been we'll have lived here at this ranch for eight years this August. So here in a couple months, we'll have been here for eight years. We um, initially got this place as just a bigger yard for the dogs, but once we moved in, uh, we realized you know there's acres, so we we have a pasture and pond and all that kind of stuff. So we immediately got donkeys. They're wonderful, by the way, because we knew we would want goats. So goats um, are great, but also they're tiny and they can get preyed on, right? And so you get donkeys because they're herd protectors and they'll Isn't kill it? coyotes and stuff. Wow. Like actually our dogs can't go out, our dog can't go out into the field uh, with the donkeys out there because the donkeys will kill them. They, wow. they don't care for coyotes or any canines, by the way. And so wow. like they'll kill a coyote and drag it around, fling it up in the air, get his blood everywhere Whoa. so that other coyotes don't come around. They're amazing. Wow. Yeah. Stomp them to death, pick them up, throw them. Anyway. So there's the brutality on coyotes, but you you have them as herd protectors for your herd, right? But also, like I said, they're incredible animals. I don't know if you've ever spent time with a donkey. Let me, let me tell you, like I, I think I told you last time, we have a guy that lives next to us, in, next to our cul-de-sac here with apartments. The guy has a fucking tiny little homestead. He's got three donkeys and one of them gave birth, I think oh, six weeks yes. ago at this point. So it's, it's the, but we were there yesterday with my daughter. She loves looking at the donkey. It's a tiny little donkey. Dude, there's such, and the, the big one, the oldest one, we'd go and pet her and like say hello to her. And then when we would try to leave to see the other two, they're on the other side there, she would like 
go up after us and get in the way so we can't escape. She do it like more than once, bro. They're such amazing creatures. They're incredible. No, no, no. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, thank you for sharing. And then uh, right above their tail, if you get their butt area, it's challenging for them to scratch. They'll, you'll be their buddies. Also right <laughs> here on their chest, right oh. uh, a little above in between them where their front legs are, right mm -hmm. under their neck. Same thing. Feels real good. Also inside their ears. They have those huge, tall mm -hmm. ears that go up. If you take your fingers, just the tips of them, and go inside the ear and just scratch like that. Oh, my God, dude. They're oh, yeah. putty in your hands. <laughs> and also sharing breath with an equine is another thing that's very interesting that um, mm. a lot of folks know about this uh, native tradition. But what you do is you get um, your breath in with the equine's breath. Now, when I say equine, I mean horses or donkeys mm. or mules are all in the same family, right? So you do this with a horse also or donkey or mule. So you breathe in their nose, they'll breathe out into your nose and you exchange breath with Whoa. them. And it's a bonding, it's a way of bonding wow. with them. People do this with their horses all the time, all this kind of thing. It's a beautiful process. And our Amazing. girls out there, you get down and they'll exchange breath with you and it's oh. you can feel this connection and this comfort, right? Wow. So we have six girls out here right now. So we're kind of like the ass ranch. Uh, we've had horses, um, peacocks, pig, uh, goats, um, all kinds of stuff. But we're right now, what we have is six donkeys, uh, two of which were born out here. So I know exactly what you mean about, because I found one right out, uh, I mean, it had to have been right when she was born. I just wow. ran over, immediately picked her up. You know, her mom and her mom was the first donkey we got. So she was very okay with it. Um, anyway, so that kind of thing. And so they're just fast and they're like dogs, dude. They're like, they come running up to you whenever you come out. Yeah. They're incredibly self-aware. Uh, they never get fucking um, injured or something. I say that. We just had a call a vet out. Or one of our donkeys actually got her eyelid ripped open i'm not going to go into it more than Jesus. that the vet was out for the first time we called a vet out to our place with all of these animals that we've had out here for eight years first time we've ever called one out and um she sewed it right back on we put ointment on it um my wife and i actually went out there and pulled the stitches we've never done that before but we wow. can check off the list remove stonky donkey <laughs> stitches from very sensitive eye Jesus. uh which should be a black belt level you yeah. know what i mean it wasn't like it was on her back or something yeah, easy yeah. it was right on her eye dude it was wow. but we did it and um it's it's amazing so love the donkeys dude they're incredible um and then folks when they come out here a lot of people come out here from cities uh, we've had several people like dave zed when he came out here i think he'd seen a donkey once but never like pet it and shit they're just all over him loving on him and shit same thing, wow. we had a guy out here from Jersey, never been around donkeys, and he just could not leave them. You know, he was just like, they're just so great. I, go, I know, they're that's awesome. why we got it, you know? So it's part of this environment. You know, we have the labyrinth, we have a satellite dish that's beaming out good waves with this wish unit. Uh, this thing right here, it's got one of these, and it's a quantum wow, device. It's fucking awesome. Bro. We have the donkeys, we have the water with the pond, we have um, everything, dude. It's just a magic, uh, magical-ass place. So you got to get your ass over here sometime. Yeah, man. If if, if uh, America gives me a a tourist visa, I'll, I'll, at some point we will, bro. We will for sure. Well, we're gonna need you to come over here and work. So maybe I just hire you as an employee and get you an employment visa to come by and just hang out. We, we could do that. You could sponsor. Let's work me. something out. I'll yeah, sponsor yeah, yeah. you. I'd I would to, absolutely I'd, sponsor the shit out of you. I'd also, <laughs> I'd love. <that. laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> I'll sponsor me? the shit out of you, bro. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, man. I hope they don't do. Um, you know, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk off air. I hope they don't do psychometric evaluations. No, uh, you're bro, too smart to enter. That'd um, be the problem. Yeah, it's like, uh, you. Sorry, sir. You you're already on hundreds you're of lists the charts that we yeah. have here. You're uh, off the charts intelligent. We can't accept you into. You will ruin uh, the delusion that we have here in the states that everyone is uh, not powerful. They'll be like, we have too many domestic terrorists. We don't need any external terrorists. Thank you very much, my my Dude. good fellow. 
You know, it's interesting you say shit like that. Uh, there's a guy named Brandon Williams. I'm going to connect you with him as well. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. Oh, my God. He's got a website called OneStupidFuck.com. Um, sounds, why does that sound so familiar? Bro, it- I had him on. It'll be out soon. Um, but holy shit. This dude, Brandon Joe Williams is his name. And I think I listened to a podcast with him very recently. Probably. Yes, he was on Charlie's. I think he's been on Charlie's recently. In the last week, I even think. Yeah, I'm going to send you his email, dude. I'll get your email connected, but holy shit, bro. bro. He's talking about being a a state national, like basically unsubscribing from the company that is the U.S. government, which is just a corporation. I started listening to him on... I forget whose podcast. This guy sounds Legit Bat. They did a a show with him. Yes, he was on Legit Bat. Yes, yes, yes. and we're doing something with him uh, coming up uh, soon. So yeah, yeah, epic, bro. I was on legit bat there on Sunday. I love them. Were you really? Awesome. I'm oh, coming yeah. out on Thursday. I love epic, those motherfuckers, bro. man. Yeah, they're super awesome. Mm-hmm. Super awesome folks. Well, Brendan, bro, um, I think we'll, let's stop here, sure, because um, I want to leave the listeners gagging for more. <laughs> Listen to listen to you, and I'm sure you'll be back on at some point soon in the future. So Anytime. let's stop it here. Uh, any any closing words of inspiration before we stop? Yeah. Uh, remember always that the universe provides options. That's an outstanding mantra to really sit with and to think about. Because anytime you feel stuck, stagnant, anything like that, the repeating and being very aware of and the certainty of that the universe provides options. Um, that alone is a very simple thing, and it sounds very just, um, oh, it's you know little thing. I, I could just roll it off. It's profound. It really enables you to see opportunities and rewire the neurons that comprise your RAS, your reticular activating system, to see things as possible in your life rather than stuck or stagnant. Another one would be to do something for somebody else. The beautiful thing about resistance is, is that it can't exist if you're doing something for somebody else. So there's very little to no resistance in helping someone else. So that is something that uh, will get you out of any funk inevitably. So the universe provides options. Go do something for somebody else, guys. And of course, if you find yourself bitching about the external, go clean out a closet. Hmm, I love that. What's the, I suppose, as within, so without, is that the, the principle we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tending your garden. Being able to recognize that there are things within your power that you do have control over and that there are things out there that may or may not be going on that are attempting to draw your power away from you. The recognition of those is first and foremost, and then the ability to sit with yourself and to say, the universe provides options. I am not stuck where I'm at. There are a myriad of options around me, and they will start presenting themselves to you in an epiphanistic way, which, of course, as Laurel Erica says, is just the recognition of the obvious. I love I love all of those things, bro. You're just you are just a radiant being and we are so blessed to have you on, bro. Now, just before before we let you go, tell the listener first of all, you have some interesting plans on expanding realitypodcast.com. So for 7 dollar 77 a month we, uh, we can support you and become a an expanding reality insider but you also have a couple of other plans there for folks that are that you know get into your podcast tell me about the mini golf 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 carts plan bro absolutely there are i'm two, interested uh, in that one that's why i'm asking you know absolutely please please i'll say yeah and that's How much it is that um, one again 
It's just a mill. Uh, a if mil, you want to come a, a hang cool out, mil. it's a mill. Mm-hmm. It's a mil. Cool million mill. Dollars, American. Million dollars. U.S. would be fine. US, uh, okay. I'll take a million Canadian. Canadian. That's fine. Okay. Um, that that's totally cool. And yes, that that is a value offer that I put out. That if you would like to come hang out with me for the day, we'll drive go karts and play mini golf. Um, really, anything you want. Go skydiving <laughs> if you want. We'll fly you out. Come hang out, and we'll do lunch and all the things. You can come see the ranch. Come walk the labyrinth. Come hang out with the donkeys. All that stuff. <laughs> Just a measly million dollars. Now, this is a schedule by appointment only. I do have a lot of folks responding to this, so if you don't mind, uh, schedule your appointment so that we can get you in and make sure nobody gets left behind on that. We've been doing an intensive awesome. job with it lately. Sounds and the other thing was uh, seven seventy seven a month. You can be an expensive insider, and that gives you access to all of the bonus content. We're having a bunch of all kinds of panel conversations. We do, we're doing an interview and A, which we're doing tonight at 7 p.m. Central with a guy uh, named Matthew Smith from Modern Old marvelous old world thank you and this dude's got a presentation about all the like tataria type shit he's an architect and so he finds old ancient architect books and ideals and philosophies and then applies them to sort of modern architecture and shows you what's going on and it's it's unbelievable and then again with the resonance of buildings and things like that it's fascinating so so yeah we're doing stuff like that over there and that gets you access to lives and then for those like you come on in you hang out with us for an hour we're there you're with us while we're doing it and then you get to ask questions and Anything you want, really, um, afterwards. And we just have an amazing time. Uh, so yeah, all that with the 777 a month, and that's a way to contribute. It's a wonderful way to support. Also, the handbook. If you're a fan of the show and you're like, what the fuck? Why don't I get my handbook yet? Bam, it's right there. It's located on the website as well. This is uh, through our pub- publishing house, Redigital Publishing, Redigital. which means ridiculously original. And of course, we are empowering and amplifying the voices and visions of ridiculously original authors. That's our amazing. mission statement there. So we've got a lot of wonderful things going on, and I appreciate you asking about it. But mini golf again, guys, there's a big long line uh, list for that. So just get in line, and um, we'll get to you in accordance. Thank you. Awesome. Any other places folks can find you, bro? What's the best really, place? We throw a rock and hit us, uh, but I would say expandingrealitypodcast.com because I'm very proud of that thing, and I'd like everybody to at least just go check it out and uh, see all of the current episodes are there right on the front page for free, the video versions of those. So you can check that out as well as uh, support and hang out in any way. But uh, if you prefer Odyssey or Rockfin or YouTube or something like that, we're absolutely over there as well. And it all links from the website. Got some cool t-shirts as well. I like the Tourette's Dude. one. Dude. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a character that we have called Terrence Reticus. <laughs> Reticus. And his catchphrase is fuck balls. And fuck. Um, he's a T-Rex. And he's awesome, man. Yeah, there's a whole story along with that guy too. It's and you, you, you came up with that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I made Dude. all those shirts for Dude, the most part. Fuck, man. I love your I love your creativity. You see the lizard turds one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was because the listener was like, you should have some lizard turds t-shirts. So I just made that one and threw it up. Yeah, I wish I had a little bit more graphic skills. Fuck, that would be- get Canva. Do you I not have, have Canva yet? Canva. Oh my then spend time since, on Canva. All that shit was glass. made on Canva. Since we spoke last, you told me about that you did the yes. book in Canva. So I actually I'm doing the free trial now. It's running out in a few days. Mm. So I'm gonna get a year year year, year subscription like what 120 bucks 140 bucks maybe now dude you get it for the background remover alone Mm. just for you to be able to take uh pictures or whatever and remove the background that's what you get on the free on the full version yeah but also you have uh, commercial use rights for anything that's on there so you can sell anything that you want this is where we're putting together like low content books for um so we're doing 
all sorts of things through Canva with Redigital. We're putting our children's books together in there uh, with I created, merging with the illustrators and stuff amazing. like that. It's I awesome. I created my logo for my children's health podcast with that. And for Perfect. I have another podcast in the pipeline all about detox and shit. So I created the logo. It's shit, but it's, look, it's a skill like any other you got to learn, right? Dude, flex that muscle. I've had it for like two years. I do all of the stuff for the show, all the thumbnails and everything. It's been one of the best investments, which has been having it because then I knew I would use it, which then trained me how to use it. And now I'm a goddamn graphic designer, dude. I did that whole website I did in Canva. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Now, wait, hold on. There's something I actually forgot to ask you. Tell us you were a touring musician. Were you playing guitar? I see a guitar in the background. Yeah, yeah, guitarist? I was a true musician for about 12 years. Um, I, that that guitar went with me to China, um, and yeah, wow. it was awesome, dude. What, yeah, I wrote my own music, band? all you kinds of stuff. Oh, you, you cannot find it. You can't? Uh-uh, it's scrubbed. I have a few copies um, of some old stuff that I had here, but I was in a bunch of bands. But um, the one that I really toured China with and toured the U.S. with and got label offers for was the music that I wrote, and it was a solo acoustic thing. But I had a band. Like, my band was awesome. Um, before I went on the road as a solo acoustic, dude, uh, that everybody in the band was incredible they were all better than me that was my role uh you got to be better than me to play with me and so these people three of them got accepted to juilliard um a celloist a violinist and then a bass player as well as the bass player's drummer who sat in with us a couple times went uh two drummers i had some of the most incredible drummers ever i think one of them's grandfather invented the kick drum pedal and was this famous bass drum bass uh drum or a uh, jazz drummer rather um yeah, so just all these amazing musicians uh, surrounded myself with. And so then, I mean, we played a VH1 Save the Music show. We did we did a bunch of stuff. And then I struck out on my own with the solo acoustic thing and went around and did that and uh, toured China, like I said. And then after wow. that, um, my grandmother got sick. And um, uh, it was like two weeks before my second tour of China. She just called. I was living in Houston. She was in North Texas. And she just said, hey, I'm sick. I don't, I'm dizzy all the time. I don't know what's going on, but I just can't do this anymore, meaning live on her own. So I canceled the China tour, and that's when essentially my music career went on wow. pause. I moved up to Texas to take care of her uh, until she passed, and then I had a house, so that meant I needed a job. And so then I uh, completely put all that stuff down, Quit, met my wife, quit smoking pot. Um, we dated for a while, then got married, and then really stopped uh, all the fun shit and then got a real job in the beer business and did that for almost 10 years and then quit and then came to here. Wow. It's wild. What it's been a wild, wild ride, man. Man, that's insane. Amazing. And I still play. Like when we just went out to Contact at the Canyon in Utah, David Warner Matheson, who invited us out there with Grimerica and all the guys, he was like, you better bring your fucking guitar or don't come. I was like, okay. So I brought the guitar. I hadn't played in, in a long, nine years in front of anyone. And, and I had a really, really good time. Everybody really enjoyed it. It was, wow. it was a blast. It scratched the itch for sure. That's so it was so cool. awesome, bro. Another hey. reason for you to come, dude. We'll jam. Man, that would be so epic. Like, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Like, just... I will not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon Thomas, guys, thank you again, brother, for coming on. Thank you, my friend.